thanks for watching or listening to episode 19 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. Uh, you can watch us on VIP YouTube or search for us on Spotify or iTunes where you can download and have a listen. And if you can leave a comment, great, particularly on iTunes, if that's where you listen, we'd really appreciate it. And if you've got anything else to say you think we, we should do, contact myself or my co-pilot, um, John Evans, who's with me here tonight as usual. John, you're knocking up some of uh, top stuff in boxing news at the minute, mate. I'm surprised you find the time to even uh, co-present it, mate, the way you're going at the minute. No, it, it, like, like you'll know, Steve, it all, it all depends on the quotes you get, doesn't it? If you get a good right. story and you get a good quotes, it does itself and it's easy from then. And I've, I've right. just you know that, mate. Um, very special guest this week, the latest boxing workhorse to uh, grace this podcast, Birmingham's John Pegg. John, it's a question I asked Dave Caldwell last week, two weeks ago, Carl Greaves last week. John knows the question. Is there a license, a board license you haven't held? Uh, yeah, an MC license. Is that the only one? That's the only one, yeah. Do you fancy a bit of MC in at Villa Park or something when you put on a show? I don't, but I, I am seriously thinking of doing it just so I can kind of have the full house, basically. Yeah. So, you know, the only trouble is I'll probably end up being a brilliant MC and putting those out <laughs> of work. So I've got to watch that kind of thing. It's hard enough for people at the moment without you putting them out of work. <laughs> and John, you're 24-7 in boxing. Everyone who, who works in the trade knows that. So what are you up to, say, this week when it, it looks a quiet week, you know, from, from where we're sitting? Well, um, the good thing is because of the rules... I'm still in the gym twice a day. And if I'm not at the gym, I'm over the track with the lads. Because because the shows are quieter, I've been doing a little bit more on some of the sessions and planning stuff out. And then when I'm not in the gym, we've got plans for the shows with uh, Mick Hennessy on Channel 5. Yeah. So I'm always kind of looking for routes that lads could work the way one way or find the way to a title another way. And I never look like, oh, we've got to fight this guy next. I kind of look like, well, if it's four or five fights, where's the route we're going to take? Where's it going to open up? Who might be in the future? Who's going to hold a title? Who do I think is going to win the Eliminator now? So I'm constantly looking at that kind of stuff. So it's never a surprise, you know, like I've always got an idea or a bit of an idea who might be coming for one of our lads. And seeing as like Mick's got a full stable, you know how big Steve Wood's stable is that yeah. I work with? And I manage, like, about 30 lads myself. So it's a lot of, ta like, um, variables that I'm looking at. So I'll just keep myself busy like that. It's it's kind of like doing the homework for the job that's going to be there when the shows are back, basically. Brilliant. John, do you know, um, now we've been given this kind of roadmap where we might get crowds back in May or June... The lads yeah. have been pretty good at accepting tough fights, haven't they? Do you think your yeah. job might become a little bit harder now with fighters having one eye on the, the crowds being back and maybe just biding the time for a couple more months? Kind of, kind of. But also, um, if you look, Steve will know this and you'll know it from Boxing News. The lads at my gym, who I manage, Eastside Gym, and the lads that I work with outside the gym, but I just manage, my guys are quite well known for taking those kind of fights anyway. We bred it into them before the lockdown. Tech them kind of fights. Our top of the bills are always good fights. And and Steve, Steve kind of gives me free reign at the top of the bill on his shows. He lets me make proper fights. Mick Hennessy, 
actively encourages decent fights. And I think the the bigger promoters, after having a taste of these cracking fights and, and quite how easy it is to make and, and seeing people's reactions, I don't know if they're going to go quite so easily back to, well, we'll get you to 15 and 0 where we, before we even take a risk. I think a silver lining in this lockdown is people actually saying, well, it's been forced upon us, but we've seen something we really like here. And hopefully it takes boxing a step forward and we can take a positive out of all the negatives we've had out of the last year or so. Brilliant. Well, we'll kick on now. Then regular watchers and listeners will know this is a, a quick fire pod. There's not a lot of waffle. Just, you know, quick, quick fire, rapid fire talk. Six topics, three minutes each round. And John Pegg, I warn you, if anyone's still talking after the three minutes of each session, John Evans is not a happy man, mate. What happens, John? Uh, he, gets that, he gets that angry, he'll, he'll go and do a boxing news interview, one of your boxers, and write something nasty. That's how <laughs> aggressive he is over this bell, John Pegg. So, um, you've been warned. Uh, round one, John Evans, we're starting with you. Let's go. Now, John's probably the ideal person to, to talk about this. Um, been in thousands of corners. And it happens every single week, every fight on every bill. A fight with Maring isn't doing what the corner has told them to, or maybe the things have worked on. But at weekend with Robbie Davis Jr. and Dom Ingle, it looked like they had quite a pretty distinct disagreement on how they should go about winning the fight. You know, Robbie wanted, Robbie wanted to box orthodox. Dom was saying Southpaw was the best. They were both trying to get to the same point, but they both had different ways of going about it. I was just wondering, John, have you been in that situation? Um, if a fighter does lack confidence in your plan, how much leeway do you give them? Or do you take it as your job is to persuade them to stick to the plan? How do you go about that if a, a fighter just deviates completely and doesn't want to do what you're suggesting? You've got to... What you can't do is upset the fighter too much because in the corner... It's all about mind games and keeping him happy. Yeah. The trick there is to make the fighter think it's his idea. Like, literally, you turn around and say, Robbie, remember the success you had when you turned safe with that kid? He's just like this Mexican. Something like that, you know, that, that's how I'd go about it. Dom's a little bit more hardcore, but I would try and make it so the fighter thinks it's his idea because it doesn't matter how good the tactics or how right they are, if the fighter's not happy, it's not going to work. Yeah, I always think that, you know, I'm not a fighter, I'm not a trainer. I know what, you know, I'm watching with boxing, but, you know, I always say I couldn't teach a dog to a boxer, a dog to wee against the wall. So, but I'd always say if a fight that doesn't feel natural, what he's been told, he has to revert to what he knows best, surely. And if Robbie, Robbie, you know, I've only seen brief glimpses of this fight the other night because I was flicking through it because I watched something else for, for most of the show till the main event. I think... If Robbie had gone to Orthodox, he may well have got that decision. And it was still close anyway. You know, surely a fighter should go back to what he, what he knows naturally if he feels uncomfortable and then yeah. sort it out with the trainer afterwards. Yeah, if it works, he goes back at the end of the corner and says, I won the round, let me do it again. Um, it was, I think it was a new, um, it was like a new pairing. Yeah. Dom's a strong character. Robbie's used to being like the best man in the gym. And I just think it clashed on that night against the difficult opponent. Yeah, Robbie, Robbie did stick to it, though, didn't he? He put his trust in Dom. Uh, did a close fight at the end, wasn't it? It was one point in it on, on two cards. But, yeah, I was just... 
um, in and out, you know, Robbie's an experienced fighter. Is, does there come a point where he has to take it on, you know, take responsibility for himself and just do what he thinks is right? But And then you deal with the consequences and all the rows and inevitable problems afterwards. But I just thought it was an interesting thing. It's not something we see very often. No, no, it's, it's not. It's not something you see very often. And will that cause a problem afterwards? Will Robbie say, what I was saying in the corner might have got me got an extra point? But then Dom's going to say, I'm a world championship trainer. Time. And now, John, round two, your first topic. What is my first topic? What a, what, what a start to the year you were talking, you were telling me earlier on. Sorry, I got on the wrong way round. Well, the first two shows, we had NTK's show, and I was looking at it, and um, I think there was like six unbeaten records, or might have even been more than that. Three title fights. And this is what was making my point earlier. How can we go back to some of the, the, the old ways? And, you know, it was a great show with Gavin Grimby and Sean McComb. Uh, Samuel Antwee won the vacant English World's White title in a bit of an upset. And then the very next night, we had the show we was talking about where we had the top of the bill, the home guy lost. Uh, one of the chief supports, the home guy lost. It was just, and there was only five fights on the show, but the quality made it an absolutely cracking show. David Avisan, I picked quite heavily from the very first time this was made to win that fight almost exactly how it went. And that's, you know, my, my prediction was put out on Boxing Social on Twitter. So what a start to the year. And this is my whole point. How are we going to go back to the kind of shows that was the norm now, this has become the norm as boxing fans, as boxing people. Well, you, you'll know this, John. While we might go back to it, um, you're going to go back to it, I think, when, when fighters, when we get full arenas by the end of the year, hopefully in May, if all the data stacks up. You know, there's no definite boxing's going to start in May. But you, I, I think you're going to get that problem when you start dealing with trainers again. When guys are going up to eight rounds, my man's not ready for that because trainers want to protect their charge. And also... Before we go to John Evans, also bought great learning fights. Now, I watched back the Jordan Gill fight yesterday against Caesar Juarez. What a great learning fight that was for Jordan Gill. He will become such a good fighter for the matchmaking of that fight, which I guess Dave Caldwell made. Is, is there a possibility that promoters, the big promoters, will go back to it because they're losing a lot of a lot of the um, not quite marquee names, but a lot of the lads that hoping will headline bills in the future are getting turned over. Is there not a possibility that we will look to match them a little bit softer to to prevent that happening? Because we've lost quite a few fighters' records, you know, quite a few have suffered defeats over the last few weeks. Not them records. Let's just throw them all in a battle royale so they've all got a loss each and nobody cares. I agree 100%, but boxing promoters don't think like that, do they? But you know know what? Hopefully, by the time of the end of the pandemic, we're going to have no unbeaten records left, so it won't matter. Sky TV might think like that, though, though um, John, um, you're about what you were saying there, John Evans, because they'll, they'll see the Avanesian Kelly fight the other night. Everyone was talking about that on Twitter during it, and they'll see viewing figures going up. Oh, Steve, go on, your topic. Right, round three, uh, Kakashi. Can, you know, there's a headline here. Can Anthony Kakashi finally deliver the promise? On his own admission, he's only just done enough in fights before. Carl Frampton says he's never been hit by him. And every time I mention his name to Carl, he just raves about him. I know John Evans speaks to Carl a lot. And if you ask Carl this question, when you bump into him next, John, he'll, he'll tell you this. Um, 
He's in a great fight Saturday night. Leon Woodstock's never in a bad fight. Um, it, it, sh it should be a bit of a breakout for him and look good. But he's 32 and needs to push on and really needs to develop because so many fighters tell me how good this, this man should be. But he's just been playing at this game. And I still think he's good enough to kick on and fight at world level in what is a really hot division. And Nicky Catcher, interestingly enough, I'm pretty sure I was in his, the corner against him in his debut. And Christian Light boxed him. And obviously, Christian Light knows his way around the ring. He had a tough first round and then slowed him down. And I looked at it and thought, yeah, he's not bad. Um, he, he's OK. He, he's not everything everyone's going on about. But interestingly enough, Christian Light said afterwards that Kakachi's in the top 10 of the best people he's ever boxed which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're uh, talking about Christian Light, yeah. that's some good company to be in. So, you know, perhaps he's one of those who has got a lot more in there that he's showing that, that you might not see from the outside or he might not be showing his full potential because Christian really raves about him. I was in the opposite corner and thought, yeah, he's decent. But, you know, so who knows? But he's still got time and he's still fresh. The thing I like about him, when you look at all these super featherweights, it's a good division, actually, in Britain, isn't it? Um, I think probably Kakachi might have the most difficult style to figure out. You know, people will think they can get the better of Zelfa by pressuring him. Leon, if you move your feet and let your hands go, you can catch him. Um, Archie Sharp, you can maybe out-hustle him a little bit. But Kakachi's got that hard-hitting, rangy, awkward style. I imagine he's really... Big for the white as well. Yeah. Big for the white. He might be the one who comes through as the most difficult to beat. I mean, right now, when you look at it in this country, Marty Moore, Zelfa, Archie Sharp, it's absolutely stacked, isn't it? Ronnie Clark. Ronnie he's Clark is coming back, back he, soon. Yeah, and he's, he's beaten Zelfa. Um, he's due back. And lost in a good one to Kakachi. He got beaten the last round. That's so he, right. he knows how to mix it up. But yeah, Kakachi, um, he's 32 and he's got everything there now. So he's got to really make a good, solid run. If once this pandemic is kind of finally out of the way, he can't hang around. No, and, and he should be an exciting fight against Leon Woodstock because Leon just doesn't do bad fights at all. He just does not do them. I'm... Like um, John Evans. Yeah, we know what boxers are like. Boxers follow the trends, don't they? You know, if you see a famous fighter doing something, they tend to gravitate towards it. We've seen um, catchweight fights. We've seen people jumping up a couple of divisions. It might be some kind of warm-up technique, but they'll jump on it if um, if it, they think it's going to improve them. I just hope we get a few people following Canelo and staying active. You know, he's, he fought Callum Smith, what, three months ago? He's fighting Abney Yildrim, getting rid of his mandatory. Then he's fighting Billy Joe, and he'll cram another one in. And I just hope that a, a lot of fighters see the benefits to this. You know, uh, the money keeps coming in, the weight stays down, the name stays out there, your mandatory challenges are dealt with. And fighters are fighters. Fighters should fight. You know, why not get paid for fighting rather than sparring and training? So I just hope that Canelo is setting a new trend. I hope people who idolise him and are always posting his highlights on Twitter... I hope that they think, let's follow Canelo, let's stay active, let's get these mandatories out of the way, and we see them more than twice a year. It's mad, John, that um, he fought in December in a, in a fight that was easier than many fought. He's got his gimme this weekend, getting his mandatory. Then Billy Joe Saunders, which is a tricky fight. And then he's going to fight again in September. A fight of that calibre, having four fights in 10 months. So it had been accepted in the game by fans and everybody, but the elite fighters only fight once or twice a year. But for him to have what would be four fights in 10 months, 
And all the money he's going to make, because from September, is his own promoter anyway. Now Canelo promotions have been uh, licensed in Nevada. I think as well that I think that's how it should be from top to bottom. On a low, much lower level than Canelo, Sam Higginson had six fights in 2019. Brilliant. You know, he fought, he fought on the undercard of one of Steve Wood's shows in a six-rounder. And he was by far the most like, decorated lad on the card. He was just doing a six-rounder. And I'm like that with all my lads. I'm kind of old school. And I'm like, fight. Like when he had that fight in Italy, he'd done a four-rounder about five weeks before. And it just kept him on his weight. It kept him in the gym. It kept him sharp. I'm a fan of every person staying in the gym and staying ready for fights. And if fights come up, taking them from four-round level up to 12-round level. Julio Cesar Chavez would be boxing Norton Four guys in between world title fights just to be in the ring with no top on and, and having that feeling. And if it works for Julio Cesar Chavez, how can anybody who's 10 and 0 from South End say that they need a six-month break? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. It's... There's no possible, well, apart from getting cut, if you're at a level and you, and you know you're at a level, just going in a four-round on an undercard, it, there's no downsides to it, is there, Johnny? It's the, it's, the more you do something, the better you get. Simple yeah, as and, some, and some people need it. Yeah. Some people need it to be motivated. They've been doing it that long that the gym doesn't motivate them on its own. But the idea of a fight with everybody watching, even if it's an easier fight, it motivates them. Yeah. John Pegg, your final um, topics about the amateurs. Yes, um, hopefully today we might have seen something that will give us uh, a route out of the amateurs because I've been really disappointed. Like the pro game is meant to be the brutal kind of hard-nosed side of it. And even with all the difficulties, the pro game has, has kept us informed. It's give us a plan. Even if the plan doesn't look a bit bleak sometimes, we've got an idea of where they're going. And the amount of amateurs I've had wanting to turn over, and I'm trying yeah. to talk them out of it, eight or not, 18 or 19, simply because, apart from GB, it's like the curtains have been shut on the amateur game. It's like the infrastructure just fell away. And there's lads sitting there going, we haven't even got a roadmap. We haven't even got light at the end of the tunnel. We've got nothing. So they're saying, let's go pro. And I'm telling them, you're not ready for the pros. But they're saying, well, we're not getting any options whatsoever. The amateurs need a road out of this, even if it says you're waiting six months, at least you know what you're aiming for, what you're training for. And I've been disappointed the way, apart from GB, the way the amateur setup has been left completely in the dark. Yeah, I think the, the, the main one we've seen recently is Campbell Hatton was staying for another year. Um, but he, he wanted to see how he's doing the senior champion nationals this year. But obviously, no seniors. He's turned over. I know a couple lads who have waited two years for Nationals who are turning over. But, John, I, I'm going a bit off topic here before I throw to John Evans here. Um, I've been worried the number of people going juniors straight to pros over the last couple of years, even when there was. I think these guys should be signing pre-fight, con pre-contracts with promoters, if anything, because there's so many kids turning over, missing out the seniors, and boy, is it telling in their performances. You know, the first John time they run a wits back after four rounds, where they just run out of ideas. John Hedges looked like a really good junior who turned pro a few a, few, yeah. a year too early on his debut. Sorry, John, over to you, mate. No, no, no. It, it, this fits in with what you've been saying, John, about will promoters and will TV stations want to go back to building fighters? If you've got a kid coming in from a junior straight into pros because he's not had a, an amateur pathway to follow, it's going to get very hard very quick, isn't it? He's missing out on crucial, crucial months and years 
just learning to box without a head guard and do everything we do in the amateurs. But instead, he's just jumping straight in and he might well get put in a 50-50 fight within a year. And also, a fight that's not even, fi even 50-50, just the physicality of yeah. the, a grown man makes it the wrong fight. And it could ruin them and we lose them. And I've been saying to lads, stay amateur. And what can I say when they turn around and say, why? We haven't even spoke to anyone from the ABAs and stuff like that. We've got no idea. He's literally like, the curtains have been shut on the amateurs. And then they're wondering why lads are going pro. Uh, final round, round six. Old Vic U. Now, I'm sure John Pegg might appreciate this theme that I feel there's a snobbery among the newer breed of boxing fans that, that younger trainers are the be-all and end-all. Um, you know, that because they speak, should we say, um, they speak bullshit in seven languages. And, you know, I look at Carl Greaves the other night. Now, Adam Booth's been a lot, around a long time, but he's got this reputation as a master tactician. Sky were calling him Adam that non-stop the first few rounds. The other night, which is fair enough, that's their prerogative if Adam Smith believes that, great. But if you look at people like Carl Greaves, they've been around for years. Um, you know, they box for England as an amateur against America. And it, it, these people look at him because these new breed of fans will see someone like Carl or someone like you, John, you know, who's made 10 fights of a, 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 on a show. You're front of house, back of house. They just think you're some odd job man in the middle. They don't realise that the, the, the effort some of these guys have put in and then they've forgotten more than what the new breeder trainer knows about boxing. And I find that a bit disconcerting because we've got these guys from Fitness First getting trainer's licence and they're telling you, oh, we can't have this four-rounder because we were training for this sort of fight. You're fighting four rounds and it does my shedding, it, you know, you just get them ready. You're fighting four rounds. You don't even need a training camp. You should be in the gym for four weeks and ready. You're being matched to win against a guy who knows how to play the game. Ah, he's doing my really doing my head in all this about hey, you know, his master tactics because they have a computer. I, they, have an, they have an iPad, you know, that tells them how many shots they threw from a 62-degree angle. Ah, he's doing my head in, John. And I'm, that's my rant for the night out of the way. Steve, I've got a funny tale to tell you. I had Ishmael Ellis on the matchroom show the other night and uh, our manager rung me. I'm going over to the venue at six o'clock and he says, are you at the venue? I says, no. He says, oh, there's a guy boxing. Uh, his coach can't do hands. Could you go over? I went, oh, I'm a bit busy, really. He says, well, he's boxing in 25 minutes. I went, he went, I, I don't know what to do. So I walked over. I done his hands in 10 minutes. The coach went to me, are you not Sam Eggington's trainer? I went, yeah. And he kind of looked at me as if to say, what are you doing? Just turning up doing hands. The guy says, oh, my hands feel great. Went out and boxed. And I just thought to myself, it's part of your job. And then I've done, I done the cuts in a fight. And people say, oh, are you a cuts man? I say, no, I'm a boxing coach. That You have to be a cuts man as well. I've done Lee Woods cuts. I says, hands, cuts, everything. That's part of the job. You know, and the fact that I went over to do someone's hands, I was just like, what am I doing here? He looked. It took 10 minutes. And like, and the guy went, oh, my hands are really good. And I thought, he's used to having someone take an hour to do his hands. Yeah. And it just, it makes you smile, do you know what I mean? But just do the job. Just do every facet of the job. It's like the strength and conditioning coaches. A lot more lads use them. But the ones that don't use them, or can do strength and conditioning in the gym as well. If they want to have a change and go and do a bit of strength and conditioning, it's fine. But it's not like, oh, if there's not one to do it, we don't know what to do. 
you just get on with it and you do the job. It's all part of being a boxing coach. You know, a, a, a four-round boxer does not need seven or eight people on a team. He needs a boxing coach. And that's it, really. Do you know what summed it up? Um, at weekend, Carl summed it up with just one sentence. Don't let him breathe, David. If one of these new breed of trainers was doing that, they'd have had, like Steve said, they'd have an iPad out. They'd have had a guy they'd recruited off YouTube who breaks down boxing videos, watching what Kelly does on the inside and all stuff like that. Utter bullshit. Carl just got it right. Don't let him breathe. And people watching it will have thought, oh, bloody hell, that's dinosaur stuff. Stone Age. That's and, what- you know, you know, watching that fight, I know for a fact from watching Evanya San and Sam Eggington spar 10 and 12 rounds many times, David can do that for every minute of every round for 12 rounds. I've seen Sam and David do that pace, not taking a step away from each other for 10 and 12 rounds in the gym. And that's why I was on Twitter and I says, there's trouble coming because I knew what was coming. And then a few rounds later, look what happened. And John, when you did the hands on Saturday night, did you have to wear a T-shirt that said Team Whoever on it? <laughs> no, do you know what? I've got, I've got, honestly, so many T-shirts because a lot of the time I'll say to someone, no problem, give me one of them fancy T-shirts. It's my little thing. I've got an absolute wardrobe full of different boxing T-shirts. i got one on here. i got this one just for going and doing a corner, so... Yeah, but no, that's that's part of my bit. Because the guy went to give me a drink, and I went, "Oh, don't be, don't be silly." It only took me ten minutes. But yeah, that if there is a t-shirt, I will take a t-shirt or a tracksuit top off anyone in payment, basically. I tell you what, I tell you what surprised me when I found out how much these kids' kits cost. They have a brand new kit every fight, and it's like fifteen to eighteen hundred quid. I'd, I'd yeah. much rather a sponsor give me that in pound notes than give it me in a pair of shorts. Yeah, yeah they. Sorry, John. No, just Susie Wong's going to be the richest person in the game eventually. <laughs> it's mad what they cost. I was speaking to um, Curtis Gargano the other week and someone gave some money for his gym to get some shut as a sponsor. And um, Curtis spent the rest of the money um, getting his kids, two or three of his kids who didn't have great kits, getting them new kids. Comes back two and a half grand, all this what? stuff for them. Yeah. I think my, my shorts that I boxed in cost about 80 quid each, and I felt like I was buying a new car, spending 80 quid on a pair of shorts. <laughs> and I think I used them for all eight fights that I had. I think I used one pair of shorts. There was no change in them. The best one used to be the Americans. You always knew an American heavyweight was going to fall over. It'd come in with shorts that had been in the washing machine with the wrong colour about a million and one times, and they were creased. I saw one one night fight David Price. He'd come out of Liverpool... Um, the place that's freezing cold at Liverpool, the old music place, whatever I think what it's called now. Um, um, and he come out and he had the most creased shorts ever, and they were like a pink colour that were originally white. And I just knew he couldn't fight. He got knocked spark out in about thirty seconds. Right. Marvin Agler used to wear the same shorts his whole career. Who? You know, you can ask Marvin Agler. He wore the same shorts his whole career. He had I the first ones though, Marvin Agler. He would have been dry cleaned. I know he didn't spend his money by all accounts. Yeah, he was very careful with his money, wasn't he? So yeah, he probably he probably weren't buying any extra shorts, was he? I remember uh, uh, Ryan Burnett's debut on a Steve Wood show at Liverpool Olympia. He fought a Hungarian kid who'd he'd never had a pair of boxing gloves on in his life looking at him, and he'd found his kit in the lost property at the back. Is that the night? Is that the night when they brought about three Hungarians over and they looked like tourists who they would just tripped into boxing gloves? That was the exact night when Jazza fought Di Davis or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because the first I matched that show, and the first thing I did as the first one walked out, just watching him walk before he even boxed, I went over to the board official and I says, just so you know, I was nothing to do with these three Hungarians. And that yeah. was just watching them walk to the ring. I knew how bad that was going to be. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> oh, fellas, I think we went over the three minutes there. But you know what? It was really brilliant chatting this weekend. This week, should I say. John Pegg of College and Knowledge. And John Evans, the new king of boxing news. Matt Christie might lose his job at end of the way John Evans is piling out them towels at the moment. Don't know about that. I've not got anything coming for a few weeks. It's been too good. <laughs> Fellas, thanks very much. John Pegg, thanks for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you soon. John Evans, I'll speak to you uh, in the week, my friend. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, fellas. See you, lads. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro across the north, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.